From Australia, this is the Wireless Institute of Australia with the weekly news service. This broadcast is in text, audio and video and is accessed on wia.org.au. And this edition of the National News is for week commencing June 12, 2022. I'm Graham VK4BB. In today's news, how is your club going? Jeff Emery, VK4ZPP, has been thinking. How's the WIA going? This week in WIA Board Talk, we'll hear from immediate past President Greg Kelly, VK2GPK, Cole, VK3GTV, with special interest group news, VK4FUQ Felix with contest dateline, plus his fortitude in the DX world. In the world at large, VK2 LAW Jason joins us from the international desk and the figure is half a billion. News from the ACMA. The fight against scammers is showing results with the release of new figures that telcos have blocked over 549 million scam calls under rules introduced in late 2020. The data was released by the Australian Communications and Media Authorities Chair, Nerida O'Loughlin, in an address to the telecommunications industry. Every scam call that doesn't reach a consumer is a good outcome, and every initiative that helps disrupt scammers makes Australia a harder target and increases confidence in our telecommunication services, Ms O'Loughlin said. The ACMA's Combating Scams Action Plan, launched in late 2019, has seen the agency and the telecommunications industry develop a number of initiatives aimed at reducing phone scams, including the registration of new rules recording telcos to detect and block scam calls. The figures released show that these initiatives are having an impact, as are rules to prevent mobile porting fraud introduced in mid-2020. There has been a 95% decrease in reported mobile fraud since the new obligations commenced. Good work, ACMA. This week, ACMA sent out a newsletter. The newsletter, number two of 2022, and it was an update on the consultation on the proposed amateur class licensing arrangements. The next stage of ACMA's consultation on the proposed amateur class licence and supporting arrangements has been delayed until quarter three, 2022. At that time, they will consult on an updated draft amateur class licence, which incorporates feedback and practical suggestions made by submitters. Also, update the amateur community on the status of key outstanding matters, including international recognition of amateur qualifications and call sign management. ACMA also looked at some misconceptions about licence variations, understanding what's legal. ACMA have recently received a number of inquiries about licence variations to allow use of higher power. This misconception has stemmed from some historical correspondence from the ACMA that notified licensees of a licence variation under Section 111 of the Radio Communications Act 1992. But to clear up any confusion... ACMA say the conditions for operating your licence are only those that are specified in the Radio Communications Licence Conditions, that's the Amateur Licence, Determination 2015, or in individual conditions stated on the licence record published on the ACMA's Register of Radio Communication Licences. This is the WIA National News. Now don't forget, you would have received that letter by email from the ACMA I suggest you reread it. Now on WIA National News, Board Talk. 
This is Greg VK2JPK with this week's comment. My journey towards becoming a licensed radio amateur started as a shortwave listener. This was as a young teenager just after I started high school with a basic AM radio that had a shortwave band plus an antenna consisting of about 10 metres of wire strung along the top of a fence outside my bedroom. Of course, as the radio wasn't equipped with a BFO, a beat frequency oscillator, it could not resolve SSB, but there was plenty of AM transmissions of interest. I remember my excitement when I received my first QSL card from a commercial AM radio station, which I'd logged well when it was testing a new transmitter. Eventually I was able to save up enough money to buy an entry-level communications receiver, a DX160, which had a BFO, and the world of amateur radio opened up, leading me to gaining a radio licence as a 17-year-old. I was reminded of my journey as a rookie SWL recently, whilst reading a news report of a young SWL who intercepted Russian communications that identified what was, at that time, an unannounced space launch. These days, very few ordinary AM FM radios, in fact almost none, have HF bands. Radios with HF bands are still available, but they are more of a specialist purchase brand such as Texan, Sanjin, and to a decreasing extent Sony come to mind. Most younger people, say the millennials born since 1987, have no knowledge at all of shortwave radio, let alone its historical, natural disaster and geopolitical importance. The abject stupidity of allowing Radio Australia HF transmissions to the Pacific Islands to cease by a recent federal government would appear to be an example of the knowledge gap. The frequencies that were utilised by Radio Australia have now been opportunistically taken over by the PRC and the savings achieved are not even a rounding error on the federal budget. Yet the great irony is that shortwave listening today is more accessible than it ever was and is effectively free if you have a PC, a tablet or even a smartphone. Public SDRs, software-defined radios, now number in the hundreds. The most common of these are based on the Kiwi SDR in conjunction with either Raspberry Pi or Intel NUC or similar. These SDRs have multiple receive channels, waterfall displays and SSB processing and very significantly many have good antennas in low QRM locations. Search for Kiwi SDR in your favourite internet search engine and you will be pleasantly surprised what you'll find both in ANZ and around the world. Think about becoming a self-appointed public SDR evangelist and demonstrating these amazing resources to friends, family and especially the younger generation. And just maybe a few might start on the journey to becoming a radio amateur. This is Greg, VK2GPK. Across Australia from the VK1 WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service in Albury-Wodonga. It can be heard on 145.525 MHz or node 388642 every Sunday morning at 10am and repeated again that day at 19.30. This is Rob, VK2, Foxtrot Alpha Alpha Alpha. Hello, I'm Jeff Emery, VK4ZPP, and I've been thinking. When was the last time you and your club members sat down and got your heads together? I mean... 
when did you last seriously talk over what makes a successful club tick and what keeps us coming back? I was sparked into this train of thought by the excitement shown by people on TV over the footy match that was held midweek. Now, if it is anything around the world that gets the blood pumping and the chest heaving with excitement, it is the collective excitement of football supporters. Culture, religion and language all give way to the obsessive joy of the sharing of being a supporter of a particular club. The code doesn't matter, but the rallying about a team and the current match seems to excite fans like few other things. There seems to be a harmony in wearing the team colours and jerseys and scarves are prized for what they represent to their owners and other supporters. From hat pins to balloons and other trinkets, people seek a way of identifying with the club, something that is much more than themselves. Over the years, I have gathered a few items that exhibit my membership of amateur radio groups. There are a couple of baseball caps with the WIA badging, there is the pin to put in my jacket lapel, and there is the long-sleeved shirt from when I was deeply involved in radio club activities. I even have an applique badge to go on some yet-to-be-chosen piece of clothing. As I've managed to get around a few amateur events, I've seen the range of shirts, caps and souvenir items that clubs have produced for their members. And the members have been proud to wear them. Unless you count the throngs of prospective buyers around the sale tables at rallies, I've yet to see any of the ebullience of the sports followers at a match. Are we as a tribe more sedate than other self-identified followers of recreational pursuits, I wonder? So let's turn back to chewing the fat on keeping the club engaged with its members. What are the things that work? Is it the newsletter, the club nets, or participation in contests and rallies? Do the t-shirts look a bit last century, but people wear them anyway? Would a decal for the members' cars be popular, and is tea and bickies enough to warm people's hearts at meetings? Would going for lunch once a month get some people together, or would bringing a plate of food to eat during the wind-down from the meetings get more people talking? Maybe for the more active people, having a game of touch or a visit to a swimming spot in warmer weather would be a way of building the sense of togetherness that a club would like to see. There are so many things that we can do to support our friends, and it is just a matter of finding those things that work in your town. I'm Jeff Emery, and that's what I think. How about you? This is the home service of the Wireless Institute of Australia through VK1WIA. Now, international news with Jason, VK2LAW. Hello. In news from Region 1, Tim Neobard, Mike 7 Tango, Mike November, has received a British Empire medal in the Queen's Birthday Honours List. Essex Ham, report Tim, together with other volunteers, created the East Essex Hack Space, a maker community in Hockley, and at the height of the pandemic, Tim and the team manufactured 12,000 face shields using the Hack Space's laser cutter, and these face shields were distributed free where they were needed. 
during the second lockdown, the team shifted focus to providing laptops for kids. Amateur rodeo enthusiasts in Guernsey have been celebrating the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. The Islands Amateur Radio Society has made a pop-up transmitting studio in Beausidua Car Park and have been broadcasting across the world using a unique call sign, Golf Bravo 7-0 Uniform, and have been one of seven special event stations set up across the British Isles to connect with all corners of the Commonwealth and beyond. Society member Keith Laboutlier said, Amateur Rodeo is a hobby in which you can communicate with people all over the world. A lot of stations are aware it's the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. The one thing that has become evident is the affection for the Queen across the world, even in countries where she has no direct control over. We've been speaking with some stations in Brazil last night and we were quite surprised to find they'd actually watched the Trooping of the Colour. That's the same for a lot of other countries and amateurs watching it on the television. It's amazing. In news from Region 2, ARRL Field Day is Ham Radio's open house. Every June, more than 40,000 hams throughout North America set up temporary transmitting stations in public places to demonstrate Ham Radio's science, skill and service to the community and nation. It combines public service, emergency preparedness, community outreach and technical skills all in a single event. And Field Day has been an annual event since 1933 and remains the most popular event in ham radio in the USA. Hiroshi Takahashi, Victor Alpha 7 Lima Echo Tango has made a significant contribution to the amateur radio community in Vancouver, British Columbia. He was highly active with the Vancouver Emergency Communications Telecommunication Organisation, Vector, which operates the amateur radio program that supports the Vancouver Emergency Management Agency and raises the communication preparedness of the community. Hiroshi's contributions to amateur radio include the following. Coordinating Vector's basic amateur certification course, from 2014 to 2020, helping 800 people become amateurs in two to three courses each year. Coordinating Vector's civic service operations from 2014 to 2019 with Gary Webb, Victor Alpha 7 Golf Mike Whiskey and Mike Watkins, Victor Echo 7 Whiskey Victor, including activations at the annual Celebration of Light, Canada Day and Santa Claus Parade events. In 2021, Hiroshi founded the Lower Mainland Radio Room, LMRR, to focus on the fun in radio technology to get people on the air and inspire existing amateurs to discover new ways they could use their radio. Sable Island may be no big deal, but the 2022 Sable Island Charlie Yankee Zero Sierra D Expedition team is pleased to announce the launch of their new CY0SD Expedition website on CY0S.com. Chaz Whiskey 4 Golf Kilo Foxtrot Webmaster has been working tirelessly with Randy November Zero Tango Golf on launching the new website. The website is still a work in progress and new information will be added almost daily. Planning continues to go very well for the 2022 D Expedition. Sable Island is 42 kilometres long. Space is very limited within the Sable Island compound. 
The sable horses, which number over 500, have free run of the island, except for the area around the sable station, which is fenced in. The de-expedition team has a relatively small footprint to work with. Additionally, no antennas can be placed on or near the beach, as Sable Island is home to tens of thousands of grey seals. A de-expedition to Sable faces many challenges. A neglected anniversary of sorts came and went. May 24. It was the first public demonstration of Samuel F.B. Morse's telegraph 178 years ago at B&O Mount Clare Station, today the home of Baltimore and Ohio Railroad Museum. Morse's development of the telegraph was born from a deep personal tragedy. Samuel Finley Breeze Morse, born in 1791 in Charlestown, Massachusetts, was a Pi Beta Kappa graduate of Yale University and made his living as a portrait painter. He was in Washington working on a commission in 1825 when word reached him that his wife had died of a heart attack in Connecticut shortly after giving birth to their third child. In the face of wide scepticism, Morse obtained from Congress a $30,000 appropriation that allowed him to pursue his work for what eventually became known as the Telegraph. Morse also created what's known as Morse code, the dot and dash code we use for sending messages. Morse used different combinations of dots and dashes to represent the letters in the English alphabet and the 10 digits. For VK1 WIA National News, in Sydney, I'm Jason, VK2LAW. Across Australia, from VK1 WIA, you are tuned to the WIA National News Service. In Adelaide, it is relayed on 6 metres on 53.1 MHz AM at 0900 hours Central Standard Time. I'm Ben, VK5, Bravo Bravo. Now, operational news with Felix, VK4FUQ. Hello there. What sounds like a contest but isn't a contest in the strict vernacular? Straight Key Night, Winter Edition, of course. The New Zealand Straight Key Night is being held tonight, Sunday 12 June, from 10pm to 11pm AEST. Held on 80 metres, SKN is not a contest, but it is a great chance to dust off that straight key and hear what it can do. Now, 2022 contest-wise. 2022. WIA VHF UHF Field Days, Winter 2022. 0200 hours UTC, Saturday 25 June, through 0159 hours UTC, Sunday 26 June. IAAUHF World Championship, next contest is July 9 and 10. WIA Trans-Tasman Open Contest, 16 July. RSGB IOTA Contest is July 30, 31. WIA RD or Remembrance State Contest, Saturday, Sunday, August 13 and 14. Alara Contest, August 27 and 28. WIA NZAT Oceania Contest. Phone, first full week in October, 0600 hours UTC Saturday to 0600 hours UTC Sunday. CW, second full week in October, 0600 hours UTC Saturday to 0600 hours UTC Sunday. Log deadline for all logs, 31 October. DX Window. And my 42 are Co. 
will be on the air as JD1AJD from Okazawa between June 24 and July 2nd on 26 metres where he will be using CWNFT8. QSLs to home call, again, that is JA1ADT. Netherlands, PA. PA75DXCC, on air till August 2, celebrates the 75th anniversary of the first post-World War II list of DXCC members, published in the July 1947 issue of QST. QSL via operator's instructions. Z81D from Juba in South Sudan until the 11th of September. Activity is holiday style. QSL Z81D via OM3JW. In the world of DX, B tuning the HF bands for 8N650JP, the special call sign being used by the Japan Amateur Radio League's Okinawa branch. Hams are marking the 50th anniversary of the return of the Okinawa Prefecture to Japan from the United States Administration. The callsign 8N650JP is active through to the 30th of September. QSOs will be confirmed automatically through the Bureau. For VK1WIA National News, I'm Felix VK4FUQ in England. This is the home service of the Wireless Institute of Australia through VK1WIA. Now, special interest group news with Cole, VK3GTV. Hello, first up in Worldwide Special Interest Group News. It's Summits on the Air, Worldwide Flora and Fauna Program, Parks on the Air and other adventure groups. BBC Country File featuring amateur radio now online. The episode of the BBC TV show Country File I mentioned last week featuring segments on Marconi and amateur radio Summits on the Air is now available on iPlayer. Fast forward to 42 minutes and 4 seconds, Marconi's 1897 radio transmissions, and 52 minutes 40 seconds, Summits on the Air feature with Ben Lloyd, GW4BML. Fraser Wenseth, MM0EF5, was approached by the BBC for SOTA footage, and he's released a video about it. Watch SOTA versus BBC Country File from Ben New on the YouTube link in this week's text edition. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Final Frontier, AO73 FunCube 1 fitter message for the Queen's 70th Jubilee. In June, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II became the first British monarch to celebrate a platinum jubilee after 70 years of service. AMSAT UK has decided to send a special platinum jubilee greeting message via FunCube 1 AO73. Anyone who receives this message and uploads it to the data warehouse using the dashboard can generate a certificate to remember this historic event. So what is a fitter message? Think Twitter fitter. A fitter message is a short 200-character text-like message which can be uploaded to the satellite via a moderator. FunCube 1 is transmitting the Jubilee fitter message on the BPSK telemetry beacon which has a nominal frequency of 145.935 MHz, plus or minus Doppler. The world's first mission to remove several small telecommunications satellites from orbit once they reach the end of their operational service is about to start building and testing its prototype spacecraft. British-based in-orbit servicing company Astroscale, working in an ESA partnership project with satellite operator OneWeb, will begin manufacturing the first commercial servicer prototype 
designed to capture multiple satellites in low Earth orbit under the ESA Sunrise program. Removing these telecommunications satellites from their orbits once they're at the end of their lives is essential to ensure today's interconnected digital world is not compromised by collisions that damage active satellites in space and to protect low-Earth orbit environment as a natural and shared resource. Worldwide Special Interest Groups Military Belgium Communications Regulator has said 50.200 MHz and 51.075 MHz will be used until the 18th of June during a military exercise in Elsenborn. In Belgium, the amateur radio service has secondary status in this band, with the military services having primary status. Radio amateurs are asked to avoid the use of these frequencies if possible, and to listen carefully to whether the frequency is in use if they still wish to use the frequencies concerned. Worldwide Special Interest Groups Rescue Radio Radar Club Needs Gold Rush Operators Although this item would normally be heard in Q News, the award-winning local VK4 club service, we stumbled on this urgent call for help needed in the Rockhampton area within the Townsville area club newspaper. Volunteer radio operators are required for communication support for the North Queensland Crane Hire Gold Rush Hill Sprint happening on Saturday the 9th of July on a closed section of the Burnett Highway up the Mount Morgan Range. It's your chance to mix amateur radio with autosports. Lots of help needed as there are approximately 200 competitors. Please contact Clive, VK4ACC, to put your hand up to help or to find out more. And radar members, get some info in ASAP to your Q News service, qnews at wia.org.au. Worldwide Special Interest Groups, VHF and above. The chair of IARU Region 1 Spectrum Affairs, Barry Lewis, G4SJH, has reported on the work being done in defending the interests of the amateur services in the 1240 to 1300MHz MHz band. The scale of the problem for the amateur services is becoming clear. For example, the studies predict that even a 10-watt 23-centimetre band station could cause interference to radio navigation satellite services receivers at up to 30 kilometres on the antenna main beam heading. Although the level of amateur activity and the density of users is quite low compared to other more popular bands, the issue remains that from a regulatory perspective, the amateur services are required to not cause harmful interference to RNSS services. And that's all for Worldwide Special Interest Group News for this week. I'll catch you next week with more. I'm Cole, VK3GTV. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service in the Northern Territory. And he can be heard on repeaters 146900, 146950, or end of frequencies 14.337, 10.1337, 7.1193, 3.555, and I am Carl with a K. Call sign Victor Kilo HI Alpha Whiskey. This is VK1 WIA. All points of contacts from today's news stories are to be found in print when you read the web editions www.wia.org.au. 
2022 social scene. All quiet right across Australia, but not so quiet on the Western Front in October. That's the next big event on our calendar, VK6 Perth Tech October 21-23, VK7 My Inner Ham Fest Saturday November 19, and the Rosebud Radio Fest November 20 in VK3. Now, until next we meet, I'm Graham, VK4BB. Walk softly. From Australia, this has been the Wireless Institute of Australia with the weekly news service. This broadcast is in text, audio and video and is accessed on wia.org.au.